Life Christian Centre is a church located in the city of Adelaide. It is made up of people from different backgrounds and walks of life who have been transformed through a relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit us online at www.life-church.com.au If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Acts, Acts chapter 4, reading from verse 23. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. You spoke by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage and the peoples plot in vain? The kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord and against his anointed one. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in the city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. Now, Lord, consider their threats. And enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God with boldness. So Father, we thank you that there's a place where we can gather here this morning to worship you, to glorify you. And to be able to gather around your word. Father, we know that your word is anointed. And every time we open up the word, it has the capacity to speak into our lives. Not generally, but specifically about what we're going through today. So Holy Spirit, would you speak to us today? Would you fill this house with your glory? Your presence? Speak a word generally to all of us, but specifically to us as individuals. Bind every work of the enemy, every distraction. Bind every spirit of fear and intimidation. Just let there be freedom. And I just thank you for what you're going to do. I thank you that you're going to speak. Something's going to shift in our lives this morning. Something's going to shift in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen and amen. We're in a series entitled, uh, Come Let Us Worship as we head towards Christmas, only two weeks to go. Uh, Key text we're using to look at this theme is the familiar story of the wise men. Bible records it in Matthew chapter uh, 2. Magi come to Jerusalem uh, to see Jesus and they saw a star and followed the star. It was a miraculous star that was guiding them towards uh, the place where Jesus was and the star stopped at the house uh, where, where Jesus was living at that particular time. And the Bible says on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary and they bowed down and they worshipped him. We looked at that a few weeks ago, the whole concept of worship and bowing down uh, as, a, as a way of demonstrating our worship to the Lord. One of the themes that runs throughout the Christmas story is the theme of worship. Uh, The wise men were looking, speaking, searching for Jesus. And when they found him, they began to worship him and they began to glorify him. And my prayer in these messages, these messages as we lead towards Christmas, is that we would get an understanding of the power of worship. 
that we would get a fresh revelation of worship. I know that, you know, we come to church and we, we enjoy the worship that, that we experience week in and week out, but I never want us to take it for granted. I never want us to just come along and just worship and, 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 and just experience it, but never understand the power of what it is that we do week in and week out. Uh, I, I never want us to take worship for granted. And I never want us to think it's just something we do on a Sunday morning. Worship is powerful. Worship is a spiritual weapon. When we feel like we're under attack, one of the greatest things that we can do is begin to worship the Lord. Uh, Worship brings the presence of God. Uh, The Bible says that God dwells in the praises of His people. There's something very powerful about worship. Uh, Worship shifts our focus to God. If it shifts our focus off of our situations, it shifts our focus towards God. It breaks chains and opens prison doors. Um, I don't know, I, I think I said this a couple of weeks ago, but one of the things that happens to me uh, more regularly than I would like is I can wake up in the middle of the night and, and then my brain clicks in, you know, and whatever's happening to me that day or that week, you know, just my brain starts to turn. And if, I, if I'm not careful, I can be awake for, for an hour or two, just my brain turning. And I've learned over the years, I don't always remember, but, but when, I'm, when I'm going, no, this, this, is, not, this is not very healthy for me, uh, what, I, what, what I start to do is I start to worship. I think, you know what, if I'm going to be awake, let me use this time, you know, uh, for something productive. So I begin to pray and I begin to worship. And usually, you know, within a few, well, I don't know, but long, but within a short space of time, I'm asleep again. Um, worship is powerful. If you're stressed and anxious, begin to worship. If you're feeling depressed and down, begin to worship the Lord. Worship is powerful. It can change the atmosphere in a room. Today I want to speak about the power of worship when life is hard. And to help us unpack this, I want to, I want to look at the story that we read in the book of Acts. And I just pray the Holy Spirit is going to, is, is going to speak to us. Book of Acts is um, an account of the birth of the church. In Acts 1, the church is praying. Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit is poured out on the church. Peter gets up to preach uh, a sermon, the first sermon that's preached, and 3,000 people are added to the church. In Acts 3, a crippled beggar is healed. And uh, as uh, uh, Peter and John are going to the temple to pray, there's a, there's a beggar on the side of the road, a crippled beggar who's begging for money. And, and, and Peter's sensing uh, that the Holy Spirit uh, you know, w- w- was, was about to heal. And he, he challenges him and he, and he, and he says to him, stand up and, and, and begin to walk. And the, and the man was, was, was healed in an instant. And, and, and suddenly Peter's preaching again and he's preaching about Jesus. It feels like everything that they touch turns to gold. Power of God is manifest. People are saved. Church has been birthed. It's amazing. Everything is going so well and so powerful. And then all of a sudden, things began to go south. Religious elite are jealous of what God is doing through Peter and John. In Acts 4, the Bible says, the priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees uh, came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people and they seized Peter and John. And because it was evening, they put them in jail until the next day. So here they are in jail for doing what? Here they are, they've been thrown into jail. What did they actually do wrong? What, what, did they, what did they do that caused them to be thrown into jail? All they did was allow God to use them. So the day after, the priests, the religious elite, and the Sadducees, do you know who the Sadducees were? They were pretty miserable kind of people, always moping around. They were sad, you see. So. That's for free today, by the way. That's just off the... That's just... 
So, so, so the day after the priests, the religious elite, can, can we get back? Can we just bring it back here? All right, we're in church this morning. So the day after the priests of the religious elite, they warned them not to speak about Jesus. You read the text. First of all, they warned. They said, don't you dare speak about Jesus. Then they commanded them. In case they didn't get the warning, they commanded them. And then they threatened them. If you speak about Jesus, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna hurt you. And then they let them go. So just do a little time out here. We need to understand what was happening here for Peter and John. We know the end of the story. Uh, and so, you know, we kind of think that these guys are like invincible. We, we think that these guys, you know, they're in a tight spot, but they're going to get out of this tight spot. Like, a, you know, like, I don't know, like a Jason Bourne, a Liam Neeson. They always get out. They always win the day. They never get killed. We kind of think that they're like that. Um, but here they were in front of a crowd that 50 days earlier had threatened Jesus in the same way and actually did more than just threaten him. They actually crucified him. That was 50 days earlier, by the way. They knew what this group of people were capable of. It was this same group of people that had just crucified Jesus and here they were threatening them. They knew what they were capable of. In fact, if you go over to chapter 5, you'll see that uh, they had them imprisoned again and then they had them flogged. So I want you to kind of think about what's happening to Peter and John here, what's kind of happening in their mind, their thoughts, their fears, their emotions, the questions going through their mind. I don't want us to just read through the text and, 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 and just kind of, well, we know what the end is going to be like. I want us to kind of dive into here and try to experience some of the emotions that Peter and John were actually experiencing. Because there are times in our own life when life gets hard. When you thought life could not get any better, where everything you touch seemed to turn to gold. Everything was going so well. One thing after another, day after day, everything was going so well. It was looking so good. And then quickly, things went south. You had all these plans and dreams for the future. You were sure what was going to happen. And then suddenly it all went south. And now your dreams are shattered. When you're gripped with fear because... You've got no idea what's going to happen next. This fear that grips you. I know as Christians, we're not supposed to be depressed or anxious or, or be afraid. You know, we're supposed to be, have it all together at times. But, but as I read through the Bible, I see everybody that was used by God was actually, actually did experience some fear because one of the most often quoted you know, words from, from God to, to God's people was fear not. And there are times in our own life where we're gripped with fear. It's this fear that, that, that hijacks your brain, it hijacks your, your, your emotions, it hijacks your heart and you can't think straight anymore. You don't know what's around the corner, you don't want, know what's going to happen next. Question is, what do you do in those times when life is hard? So I, I want to use the story to kind of just pull out a couple of simple thoughts that are probably going to speak to us. Because all of us are going to go through times when our life begins to go south. And, and, that, and that's the true test of our faith. That's, that's, when, that's when our faith is, is truly tested. It's not tested on the mountain when things, although it is tested when things are up on the mountain, when things are going really, really well. It's easy to worship. It's easy to glorify God. The test when you're on top of the mountain is the test of pride. It's where you start to take credit for the fact that you're, you think that you're up there because of something that you've done. And then there's another kind of test when you're in the bottom of the valley 
It's when your faith in God is tested, when you, when you can't see God, when you can't hear God. What do you do in those kind of times? The good news is that the Bible says no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will uh, lead you out of that temptation. He'll find a, a way so that you can stand up under that temptation. We serve a faithful God that promises to help us through some of the worst tests and trials in our lives. So what did Peter and John do when they were threatened? Well, notice what Peter and John did. The Bible says on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and reported all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. First thing they did when they were threatened is they went to their own people, they went to their friends, they went to their family and they told them everything. Notice they didn't pray first. Notice they didn't even fast. They didn't, get, they, they didn't start to run. They didn't call the lawyer up to see if they could get some help with their situation. First thing they did is they went to their own people and told them everything that happened. When life gets hard, one of the things we need to do is we need to go to our own people and tell them everything that's happening in our lives. If there's something that helps us through those challenging times, it's community. We underestimate the power of community. The first thing these guys did when they were threatened, when they were filled with fear, the first thing they did is they went to their own and they told them everything that had happened. It's a powerful thought. King James Version calls them their companions. They went to their companions. A companion is someone who's in the same boat with you. Uh, they're not just an acquaintance, a friend, a colleague. They're a companion. They're not just a Facebook friend. They're, they're with you. These are people that are they're with you. They're people that grieve when you grieve. They're happy when you're happy. They walk with you. They're doing life together with you. They're companions as opposed to an acquaintance. A lot of us have got acquaintances, but very few of us have got companions. People that walk with us. People that are with us. What will help all of us when life is hard is the help of, of some people around us. Principles right throughout scripture. You've heard me talk about this many, many times. Moses is up on the mountain with Aaron and her. David has his mighty men. He's got a group of guys he's doing life with. Jesus has Peter, James and John. When he's in the, it was in, when he's in the worst moment of his life, he has Peter, James and John go with him while he's in Gethsemane. All of us need some people around us that will help us navigate the tough seasons of life. God has called us to do life in the context of community. And this is a problem for many of us for quite a number of reasons. One of the reasons why this is a problem for us is because we feel like we need to be strong. We feel like we need to be strong. If we, if we speak about our weaknesses, if we talk about what's happening in our lives, if we, if we, if we talk about a struggle, a challenge, um, we're scared of what people are going to think of us. What will they think of us if I tell them what I'm going through? So we put on a brave face and pretend. We put a filter on our faces <laughs> to make it look like I'm happy, but inside we're struggling. I pray that that would never be the reality of our lives. I, I, I pray 
that that would never be the case in this church. That we would always have the freedom to talk about some of the challenges we're going through in life. I pray that we would always have the freedom to be able to talk to one or two people and, and to be able to open up about, about some of the stuff that we're going through in our own lives. Christian life was always meant to be done in the, in the context of community. The Bible says, carry each other's burdens. And in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. We are called to carry one another's burdens. That's what the church is all about. We're, we're, we're called to, to, to carry each other's burdens. We're called to help each other through those tough times. And we struggle also to share our troubles with us is because we've never taken the time to build those relationships. We're always on the run, always busy. Our relationships are at best superficial. You know, it takes, it takes time and energy and effort to build deep and meaningful relationships. It takes time and energy. It takes a lot of effort to build quality relationships. We live in a generation which is instant. You just want to accept the friend. You're my friend from now on. Accept. That's it. We think that that's, that's what a relationship looks like. And, and a real relationships, a real companion requires time and energy to develop. And so when we're going through a hard time, we're, we're kind of isolated because of pride, because we've never taken the, the time to build connections. And, 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 that, and that's, a, that's a challenge for all of us. You build relationships in the good times so that people are there for you when you're going through those tough times. We build relationships in the good seasons so that we're going through the tough times. There's somebody there that we can go to and open up with and share with. The Bible says two are better than one. Because if either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. First thing Peter and John did is they went to their own people. I just want this principle to sink in a little bit. I know that it's simple and I know that it's kind of, um, kind of just, oh, thank you, Pastor Joe. You know, that's pretty, pretty profound. Actually, it's a pretty profound statement. We live, we live in a world with a mentality that says you need to be number one. You need to look after yourself. You've got to be independent. You know, we, we talk about self-fulfillment, self-esteem, self, 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 self. And, and, and the Christian life was never meant to be done in an isolated fashion. We were always meant to do our Christian life in the context of community. It's what makes the church so powerful. Just love the church. That's what makes this gathering so powerful. We, we, we meet with one another. Um, there's that scripture, carry each other. There's a scripture that says, carry each other's burden. One of the things in psychology that uh, as, as, as counselors you need to be aware of is, is something called vicarious trauma. Um, vicarious trauma is where you listen to someone um, talk about some of the challenges that they go through as they begin to open up about some of the pain and some of the, some of the challenges that they're going through, what can happen is uh, they feel better because they've just kind of put it all onto you. That's why counselling is so powerful. I still don't understand. I don't fully understand why it works, but I know that it's incredible. It, it's, it's, it's something miraculous that just happens. No one fully understands, but as I speak about what I'm going through, I feel better just by speaking about what I'm, doing, what I'm going through. But what can happen is um, that because the other person, if they really care about what you're going through, really listening and really show empathy, they can 
begin to experience the pain that you're experiencing. It's called vicarious trauma. And it's interesting because as I was thinking about some of that, I was just thinking, carry each other's burdens. It's almost like the other person, as, as you kind of share, you, you, you begin and you really care. You're actually carrying each other's burdens. You're feeling each other's pain. It's very powerful. Um, there's a lot of data that looks, about, it looks at longevity. You know, what, what, what's going to help us live a long life? And, you know, the, 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 the things that we would think are normally, you know, exercise, eat, you know, the right diet, uh, you know, avoid sweets, always avoid sugar, always avoid sugar, always avoid sugar. Please, you know. <laughs> um, and, and, you know, we think they're the things that actually increase uh, our life or our life expectancy. If you, look at, if you look at the data, two out of the top three include community. Elements of community. What's going to help us live a long life is, is, is community. It's the one another's. It's doing life together within the context of a community. You've heard me say before, there's a, there's a, uh, there's a community in America where they, uh, they, they found that in this particular, there's an Italian uh, little, little group and in, in America where they found these guys are living, you know, like longer than anybody else. They did some research, some study into this group, checked their diet, and they're, they're typical Italians. They're eating, you know, and they're eating the full Italian diet, you know, the old greasy stuff, the whole, uh, you know, just the whole the glorious stuff, the sepulchers and stuff like that. Oh. My mouth is watering. I mean, you know, you know, they're eating the Italian sausage, and you know, they. I mean, they looked at their diet and they go, "This guy should be dead," you know. But, 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 uh, and 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 what they found is these guys are living forever. What is it? And what was interesting because as soon as they moved out of this particular town or this particular community, as soon as they moved out, they died like everybody else. The death rates increased, and and so what they found as they studied this community was what enabled them to live such a long life was community. It was they're doing life together. At the end of the day, they'd kind of gather outside the lawn and they, they'd sit around and they'd talk and they'd eat. They'd look after each other's children and so on and so on. And, and there was, they were doing life in a sense of community. And, that, and isn't that what God has you know, intended for us within the context of the church? I, I love the scripture because they didn't pray first. They didn't fast first. They, 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 they didn't go and see their, their Lord. They didn't do anything else first. The first thing they did was they found their friends and they reported all that was happening to them. They told them everything that happened. What helps us navigate the tough seasons of life is having companions. People we can go to, talk to. Speak about how afraid we are, how scared we are, how weak we feel. And here's the question. Who do you have in your life that you could go to when life is hard? Who, who are the people that you can go to when life is hard for you? All of us need at least one or two people that we can go to um, when life gets tough. That's at the micro level. All of us need one or two people we can call up and say, you know what? I'm going through a really tough time right now. Would you please pray for me? All of us need one or two people. That's at the micro level. And then at the macro level, all of us need the church to help us when life gets hard. I don't know about you, but in, 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 in my life, there's been seasons when life gets tough. You know, and, and the thing that I've wanted to do more than anything else is just to go to church. Because there's a sense of, I don't know, there's a sense of security by, by, being, by being a part of the community of the church of Jesus Christ. This brings us to the next principle. 
Text says on their release, Peter and John went back to their own people and, went and, and reported all the chief priests and the elders had said to them. And when they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. And that's the next thing that we do. We begin to raise our voices to God in prayer. But notice how the prayer begins. It begins with worship. It begins with worship. Sovereign Lord, they said, you made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything. And now I don't know about you, but when I'm fearing for my life, I would start, God, help me, restore me, do something, Lord God, deal with my, deal with my enemies, Lord God, quickly. It's what I would do. Instead, they begin to worship God. There's something very powerful about that. When life gets hard, one of the greatest things that we can do is begin to worship. It's the power of worship. Why do we start with worship? Why do, why do we begin? You, you read all the prayers of the Old Testament and even the New Testament for that matter. Whenever the people of God were in a bind, first thing they would do is begin to worship God. For yours is the kingdom and yours is the power and yours is the glory forever and ever. Why do we start with worship? Is it because we need to butter God up? Maybe he needs to be buttered up a little bit. God, you're amazing. You know, God, you're really amazing. You're great and you're powerful. Um, it's what we do when we want something from someone. It's what kids do when they want something from their parents. Dad, you're amazing. <laughs> it's a reminder. Is, 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 that what, is that what they were doing? No, not at all. It's a reminder to us of who God is. It sets the platform on which we begin to pray and seek God. Worship is the platform. It's the foundation on which we begin to present our request to God. And as you look through the Bible, you will see that every time people were in a difficult situation, they began to worship. They began to praise God. The victory came through worship. Through worship. Israel had been promised land by, by God, but they still had to take possession of the land. And they said to God, who'll be the first to go and fight for us against the Canaanites? And the Lord answered, Judah's to go. I've given the land into their hands. God, God said, send Judah. Send Judah, which by the way means praise to fight the battle. If you're engaged in any kind of battle, let praise lead the way. Let, 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 let praise begin to lead the way. Because as we praise, the presence of God, the glory of God comes and, and helps us in our time of need. When, when, when you're in any kind of battle, just begin to worship the Lord. Begin to glorify God. You know the story of Jehoshaphat and how he faced a mighty army and they, they were scared. And as they were praying, God spoke to them through, through a prophet and said, Listen, King Jehoshaphat and all who live in Judah and Jerusalem, this is what the Lord says to you. Don't be afraid or discouraged. There's a word for someone here today. Don't be afraid or discouraged because of this vast army. For the battle is not yours, it's, it's God's. And after consulting the people, Jehoshaphat appointed men to sing to the Lord. Come on, you know the story. And to praise him for the splendor of his holiness as they went out at the head of the army saying, give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. It's a phrase that comes in again and again and again throughout the, throughout the scriptures. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord. His love endures forever and ever and ever. He loves me. God loves me. He's going to see me through. I just thank you, Lord, that you're going to see me through. I thank you, Lord God, that you're going to make a way where there doesn't seem to be a way. 
And as they began to sing and as they began to praise, the Lord set ambushes against the men of Ammon and Moab and they won a great, a great, a great victory. Maybe you're facing an enemy today, but not a physical one. Spiritual enemy. Remember the power of worship. Maybe you're facing something in in, in, in your marriage, in your family, and and can I encourage you? Just begin to worship the Lord. Just just begin to worship, Pastor Joe. What different? Just begin to worship the Lord. Begin to worship. Create an atmosphere of worship in your home. Remember the power of worship to defeat the enemy. We see examples in the New Testament. Bible says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart from me, Barnabas and Saul to the work that I've called them. Maybe there are some of you here today, you need a word from God. Just begin to worship the Lord. Because it's in the atmosphere of worship that God begins to speak. It's in the atmosphere of worship that God begins to come with his spirit and with his presence and he begins to speak. And then there's Jonah who's in the belly of the whale. I just love this passage of scripture. And the Bible says from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. I'm sure he did. <laughs> I'm sure he did pray. A couple, well, a bit of time before, I don't know, maybe, maybe less than 24 hours before, he was in the bottom of a boat sleeping. But now he's in the whale and he begins to pray. He begins to seek God. Sometimes, not always. Sometimes. The reason why we go through some challenging situations It's to draw us into the presence of God, to bring us into the presence of God. And either way, one of the greatest things that we can do when we're in a tough time is is begin to pray. When my life was ebbing away, I remembered you, Lord, and my prayer rose to you, to your holy temple. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, will sacrifice to you what I vowed I will make good, salvation comes. But I with a song of thanksgiving. He's in, the, he's in the belly of a whale. But I with a song of thanksgiving will sacrifice to you. I'm going to start to worship. I'm going to start to sing. And as he began to worship, as he began to sing, the Bible says that the Lord commanded the fish and it vomited Jonah onto the land. That would have looked amazing. would have been amazing. It's really interesting because it's not the kind of thing you do when you're in a really difficult place. It's begin to, it's, it's begin to sing a song of thanksgiving. It sounds counterintuitive. It's not what you do. It's you complain. It's you, you cry. You do, you, do all so, you do all sorts of things. You don't, just, you don't begin to sing a song of thanksgiving. But as he sang a song of thanksgiving, God intervened. Lord, I just, so great. I just thank you, God. Lord, I just thank you for who you are, Lord God. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with prayer. Lord, I just thank you, Lord God. You're a great God. I just thank you for your blessing, Lord God. I thank you for what you've done in my life, Lord God. I thank you for salvation. I thank you that there's a church I can go to this morning. I thank you that I can lift my hand. I thank you, Lord God. But I, with a song of thanksgiving, what do we do when we're in in the midst of darkness? One of the things that we do is begin to sing and begin to worship the Lord. Some of us are in the belly of a whale right now. And it feels like it's the end. Can I just encourage you to just begin to worship the Lord? And then we have Peter and John who, who are being threatened. And What, 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 did, what did they do? What did they do? I, I, I imagine they were filled with fear. They went to their own. They went to their companions. They told them everything. And together they began to lift a prayer that began with worship. Sovereign Lord, they said. 
You've made the heavens and the earth and the sea and everything in them. It was a prayer that could easily, could easily have been a song, how great is our God. We sing them all the time, how great is our God. Come on, sing with me, how great is our God. And all we'll see, how great is our God. And then in the context of worship, they remembered the sovereignty and the power of God. They declared the promises of God. Sang about this this morning. They said, you spoke to by the Holy Spirit through the mouth of your servant, our father David. Why do the nations rage? Kings of the earth rise up and the rulers band together against the Lord. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in his city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus. They worked together to crucify Christ, to destroy Jesus. What they didn't know was that you were in control all along. They conspired to crucify Jesus. What they didn't know is that you were in control all along. They did what your power and will had decided before should happen. Looked like these guys had won the day. Looked like they were calling the shots, but these guys were actually fulfilling the purposes of God. And it was in this context that they presented their petition. Now, Lord, consider their threats. Enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand to heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. I love this because they didn't ask God to remove the enemy or deal with the enemy. I love it because they didn't, they didn't react to the situation they were in. They responded to it. And they responded with, 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 with worship and prayer. And notice what they prayed for. They prayed for boldness and courage to keep doing the right thing. Now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great... What, what, what were they threatened to do? What were they commanded not to do? Don't speak about Jesus. They were told not to speak about Jesus. They were, they were threatened. They were, they, were, they were told, don't you dare speak about Jesus. What did they pray for? Oh, Lord, first thing they prayed for, give us boldness to speak your word with, 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 with boldness. They're actually praying. And Lord, give us the courage to keep doing the right thing. I don't know what you're going through today, but one of the great prayers will be, Lord, just, just, I'm scared about what's, what's going on. I'm scared about what might happen. But Lord, just, just, I pray for courage to keep doing the right thing. And they prayed for power. And they prayed for the miraculous. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was, was shaken. I, I often wonder what that looked like. Was it literally shaken? Something must have happened. And the place where they were meeting was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the Word of God. There are some of you here today, for you, life is hard this morning. There are things that you're going through which are testing your resolve, your faith. You're being threatened. Maybe like Peter and John, you're scared about what's going to happen next. So what do you do when that happens? First, we come to our own. That might mean one or two people, but it also means to gather together with the church. Something about going to being in church when, when we're going through a trial, there's something very powerful about just gathering with the church, standing shoulder to shoulder with other believers and beginning to worship the Lord. Just something very powerful about that. 
We're not doing, we're not having communion this morning. It'll be next week. But I, but I remember different seasons in my life when I was just going through such a at such a difficult time. I, I just, I just used to pray. When's the next communion service? I got to get to communion service. It was just an opportunity to connect with God, to be part of the body of Christ. We're in this together. There's something very powerful about being together with the body of Christ when we're going through a tough time. They came to their own. And then together, we begin to pray and worship. We lift our voices to God, a prayer that begins with a song. It begins with worship. And finally, we remember Jesus who was crucified on a cross and there he was dead and they buried him in a tomb and it all looked like it was finished. Looked like the enemy had won, religious elite had won, they had triumphed, they had succeeded in killing Jesus. But what they didn't know is that they did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. What they didn't know is that God was completely in control. And God is in complete control of whatever you're going through right now. So I wonder today, there might be some of us that life is hard. I I pray that we would, like the early church, pray for, for boldness and courage to do what is right. Lord, what's the right thing for me to do here? And give me the courage and the boldness to do that. And for power for the miraculous. God, only a miracle is going to change this situation. Lord, it's, it's, it's it, the only thing that's going to that's, uh, heal this situation. It's going to be a miracle. The only thing that's going to heal my body is a miracle from you. And in so doing, my prayer is that this place would be shaken and that we would all be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we would have an encounter with God. Would you stand with me? It's good to hear the Word of God, but it's also good to put it into practice because I believe there might be some people here this morning and your life is hard. You're going through a tough time. And I just pray that we, we, we would begin to worship the Lord and to glorify the name of Jesus, allow God to minister to us by the Holy Spirit. It's good to speak the word, but hey, come on, why don't we put the word in practice and begin to worship? There are some of you, you're going through some tough times this morning. You've walked into church, life's hard. It's an understatement for you. There's a few things that we can do. We can begin to react. We can begin to do this or that or the other thing. And all of, I'm not saying none of that, all of those things are wrong. There's a place for all of that. I think the greatest thing that we can do is begin to lift our hands and begin to worship the Lord. Because it's in the presence of God that God begins to speak. Because it's in the presence of God that God gives us the power. It's in the presence of God that God begins to speak truth. It's it's in the presence of God that keys are released. Truth is released. You shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. It's in the presence of God that our hearts are convicted. It's in the presence of God revelation takes place. It's in the presence of God where where miracles begin to happen. It's in the presence of God. So just as the music is playing, I just want you to just just worship, create a a, a place between you and God. It's an altar what, 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 whatever, whatever that mountain looks like in your life right now. 
Why don't you present it to the Lord? Father, we come before you this morning with our hands raised towards you and surrender to you, recognizing that you're sovereign. You're above every circumstances. You're above every situation. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Forever and ever and ever. And Father, you know all the situations that are before us. Those giants that are screaming at us saying they're bigger than us and stronger than us, that we're going to be defeated. Those situations where it seems like the enemy is having his way. Those situations where we seem powerless, where we feel like we just don't have any power to change what's happening around us. Those situations where we feel like we're in a prison in the belly of a whale, it's dark and there doesn't seem to be a way out. Father, it's in that context we're just going to begin to worship and invite your presence because we love you more than anything else. We love you for who you are. We love you for what you've done and we love you for what you're doing in our lives and we just want to glorify you and begin to worship you, Lord God. So I just pray, reach out across this congregation. Just reach out across this congregation today, Lord God. Downstairs in the balcony. Father, just reach out, I pray in Jesus' name. Let our hearts and lives be shaken. That what the enemy is, is meaning for harm, that you're going to use for good. The saving of many lives. That even in this situation, as bad as it seems... That you, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna use this situation for your glory. I just pray that you would sweep across this congregation and heal sick bodies. Lord God, we're believing for that in Jesus' name. We're going to believe that people are going to be healed in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. The, uh, uh, sicknesses where the doctor said, don't know what to do next. There's nothing else we can do. I, I, I just pray that by the Holy Spirit, you would sweep across this place and begin to heal sick bodies in Jesus' name marriages that are in trouble Lord God hanging on by a thread Lord God where it just feels like we're in we're out Father I just pray sweep across this congregation Father what the enemy has meant for harm Father we rebuke the enemy in the name of Jesus we bind every work of the enemy every lie of the devil in the name of Jesus we come against it in Jesus name Father just minister healing right now I pray in Jesus name every family Lord God Every children, or the, the children, couples, Lord God, just reach out, I pray, in Jesus' name. Those in financial trouble, just reach out. I pray in Jesus' name. You're an amazing God. You're a glorious God. I thank you. We're going to hear testimonies of, of your greatness. We're going to hear testimonies of the things that you've done. We're going to hear testimonies, Lord God, of some of the, some of the ways that you've intervened in people's lives. Because we worship this morning. Because we sought your face today. And we will give you all the glory and we will give you all the honor that is due to your name. It's about your glory. It's about your name. It's about your honor, Lord God. And this we pray and ask in Jesus' mighty name. And all God's people said, Amen and Amen. Come on, give the Lord Jesus a clap offering. Amen.